Oh, man. So I told you I installed that AC by myself, the mini split. And yeah, let me tell you something. When you do something that you thought you couldn't do and you do it, because AC techs act like they're performing the dark arts, you know, like they have some secret knowledge we don't have. They got their little gauges and their vacuum pump and they're over there with their uh, voltage meters, voltometers, checking everything. And I'm like, "Ah, I can't. Ah, I got to hire somebody. I said, screw it. I got a quote to put a mini split on the unit I'm going to rent next door. So my shop has two suites. We're going to rent one of the suites. And I put a mini split on office. I got a quote of 7000 bucks. Up on Amazon, I buy a mini split system, 650 bucks. So anyways, got installed. And it works beautifully. No, I'm with you, man. I told you, out of my cabin slash lab, I have one of those oversized kind of, I'm just going to call it a window unit. Um cut into the log wall it's been there i've upgraded it once oversized it a little bit kind of idea just so i can control but it's only an air conditioner it's not a heater and when i called the same natriac you know a little bit a mini split the heater because i have a propane stove you know propane fireplace in there yeah six thousand and again this was a couple three years ago so saying probably seven grand and I was like, oh, I don't know, man. I, I just, I mean, as long as it, you know, like everything else, as long as it, what I have works right now, I mean, the only idea that was spend seven grand and it might be, I don't know, a little bit better, a little bit more than that. So I just haven't done it. Now, after talking to you, oh, I know exactly what I'm doing. Meaning I'm gonna get one of these units. Yeah, no question. Yeah, it was, it was actually very, very straightforward. So anybody out there who's on the fence and they're like, ah, you know, I wanna do it, but, it seems complicated. If I can do it, you can do it. You know, that's what I always say. If I can do it, you can do it. So are we recording? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's not it's not bad at all. And, you know, so we're doing a meeting room here upstairs for workshops. I'm going to do one up there. Just a lot of fun stuff going on here. I'm excited about the space. And then the other thing I'm going to do is in the main bathroom in the office. There's a bathroom in the shop, but there's a bathroom in the office. The shop one, I haven't figured out what I'm going to do yet in there. We're just leaving it as it is when we bought it. But the one here in, in the office, we've gutted it. I'm going to do ram crete panels, cladding panels, on the back main wall when you walk in. I'll do a cool concrete sink. Cool. So, yeah, the shop is coming along, dude. It's it's fun. I, I just got to get it done. I, gotta, I got client work that's backed up. I got bills to pay. You know, I'm not, like, independently wealthy. I don't have a dad that's, like, a retired judge or anything like that that pays my bills. So... You know, I got to get this done so I can start um, start making some cash. And <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that so. and uh, I heard from a couple of people there in Kansas. I'm not going to blast their name, but they're excited for some demo days. Yeah. You know, they're looking forward to, yeah, that you're a lot closer. Uh, pretty central U.S. now. Dude, Wichita more. is pretty much dead center. I think Topeka is technically the center of the United States, mm. but that's only like an hour away. So Wichita is super, super, super central to the United States. And yeah, we are going to start having some demo days here. And yeah, and that's something else, you know, we haven't really talked about it and maybe we should set up a formal program, but we have customers that are wanting to make the switch to our product. And you and I were talking, like if you place a serious order, you place an order for say four pallets of mix, 
you know, you're going to go in and go all in and you're switching your business over, let us know. Talk to us. I'll try to make it out to you or John will try to make it out to you or maybe both of us yeah. try to make it out to you and spend a day or two with, with you and your crew to get you dialed in. So, you know, we definitely want to help you. And, and we have a couple customers that, that uh, are making the switch. And so we're going to try to get out to them and help them get dialed. Yeah, we did that what, last week, right? Or I did it last did week it. with yeah. Joe Bates. You know, the, and I know this is going to sound silly, <clears throat> but for people who work with it, work with these materials, uh, let's say on a weekly basis, like I do, I'm going to say, you know, it's very easy, plus the idea of me knowing all that's in them, you knowing, it's very easy to take for granted how easy it is. That makes it think like, what? You need me to come down. But what was very interesting to me, I use that word a lot, interesting to me when I went to one of the shops and we got there, again, I thought this is a no brainer, right? Like, whatever, man, here, let me show you, da, 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 da. But then I understood because... Let's say what was holding them back is a feeling of, I hate to say inadequacy, maybe. Anyway, they, so they, they had something fairly specific in a design that they used for their looks. And so they were extremely apprehensive about moving away from what they're doing, which is pretty simple, by the way, but moving away from what they're doing, even though, yes, they've heard the benefits, you know, they've heard it, they read it, whatever the case may be. They were very apprehensive until uh, Joe actually set up an appointment. I went down there and met with him very quickly, you know, took a copy of their design, uh, whipped out the calculations, you know, in using a rad mix design for what they were doing and cast that all of a sudden you could, I mean, you could literally watch an easiness fade away and this, you know, confidence grow in the room with, you know, with, with everybody, including the owner who was there and his job foreman and et cetera, et cetera. So, so I guess what I'm saying, as silly as it sounds, sometimes you working with them all the time and we can use the words like, oh, they're so easy to use. It's so, you know, I mean, it's been these materials have been designed this way, designed by the people using them for the people using them, if that makes sense. Um, but there you go. Yeah. Now it made sense to me. And now they are fully on board and they're extremely happy with what they're seeing. In fact, we cast I don't know how to explain it. I'm going to call it a gravel mix. I mean, this is the best way, very similar to what Joe calls, or maybe I'm the one that called it. Cause every time I ask Joe, Hey, what's your con saying? Your con He's like, I don't know what you're talking about, John. So maybe he calls it somewhere else, but this thing was just loaded with aggregates loaded, loaded to the gills. And, and then we showed him, I mean, his current mix design was running about 40% water. And with a very modest minification, bringing Radmix in and still kept all his ratios almost spot on. He went from 40% water, also needing to add all these, you know, defoamers and shrinkage reducers and et cetera, et cetera. And bam, I had him down at 28% water. It flowed better, consolidated better. The next day he called me. I actually told him because I didn't stop by, take pictures. And he ended up with a flawless piece. That's, that was, that was the end of it. Okay, done. We're switching over. So, well, yeah, so that's, that's pretty cool. That's actually how one of the people that, uh, that we're going to try to get down to that it's making a switch. They saw a photo that we published on our social media 
of yeah. a piece cast with another company's mix or a pre-blended mix versus maker mix. And so we had a customer that was using another company's mix and thought it was good. They were, you know, quote unquote happy with it because you didn't have a frame of reference of anything different. So you're like, oh, sure. I guess it's as good as it gets. I mean, I was like that for a lot of, a lot of years. This is as good as it gets. And you're happy because that's your frame right. of reference. But for some reason, got a bag of Maker Mix from Joe and did a sample piece side by side. With what He was casting a repetitive design again and again and again. So he cast another one using Maker Mix, and it is night and day difference. From 10 feet away, you can see the difference. And that was it. He made the switch. And so he sent us some photos of the old pieces right. and the new piece side by side. And I published that on our social media. And we didn't say which company it is, you know. No that photo and we're not going to so i can't tell you how many messages instant messages i've gotten since that so i'll tell you so message me i'll tell you who it was but uh (laughs) (laughs) but you know that that's uh the the proof the proof is in the photo so i'll actually publish that photo on the show notes for this podcast if you go to kodiakpro.com and scroll down to the podcast for this and click on that. I'll, I'll publish that photo in the, the notes below so you can see it. So if you're listening on Spotify or Apple or wherever you're listening, go to KodiakPro.com and scroll down to our podcast and uh, you can look at that photo and see for yourself. I mean, that, that tells the entire story right there. And that's something that, you know, yeah, I was telling you, I want to do, and you're kind of like, oh, I don't know, but I, I think it'd be fun to do. It's kind of like a Pepsi challenge where when we go to people's shops, we say, cast, cast your current mix. We're not going to be yeah. involved in it cast your current mix and then let's cast this mix and we'll do it side by side and let's see how it comes out. And I, I know, and you know how it's going to come out, but uh, I think it's important for the customer to see what they've been doing versus what's possible because you have to have the frame of reference until you have that. You don't know. Well, and that, that write-up explores a lot of things. I mean, having both of us, but I'm just going to talk about my own personal, we've all been down this road how many times um, I've certainly designed my own stuff, but I've certainly used a lot of other products over the years. And I'm not going to say that those products were bad. What I'm, what I am more than willing to say, and I'll say it till I'm blue in the face and anybody else could disagree with me who hears that is the other materials are often designed for other purposes, right? And maybe they're down packed or, or packaged away so that, so people like us, can, can get them, you know, we had, like we talked about people who, I don't know, buy a, a cl- you know, something for the clear coat car industry and like, oh, now I down pack it into quartz for everybody and I put a thousand percent markup on it. And those people who buy it go, well, yeah, I get it. That's what's happening, but I can't afford the tote. So, you know, I'll buy the court. So, and that's what's happened for so long, for so long and so frustrating over the years because every time and I'm referring back to the, that's when I talked to this individual, it was, it was interesting because to begin with part of the conversation was this feeling of like, um, uh, I guess I'll try it, but I'm willing to say here it goes again. You can always say this like defeat feeling in the voice, you know what I mean? And, and I don't want to be that guy overselling and going crazy. So just, okay, man here, but give me a call. I'll walk you through, I'll help you out. I'll do what I can do because over the years of him trying to accomplish what he was trying to accomplish with various companies, materials that had promises of 
what the end product should be, he basically came to like, well, this is the best it's going to get. And this is what it is, but whatever, you know, we got these co- couple jokers, maybe I'll try their stuff too. And all of a sudden, boom. Right. And that's the epiphany is that even in my own timeline, look, I'm going to go back to my days with blue and, and buddy Rhodes products. Again, everybody knows it's no secret who is behind those materials. But even during those years, those material designs, I'm going to say, I never looked at specifically for the purposes that I've done now. I mean, there's no question. We talked plenty about ECC. I'll just bring it up. That was about color, right? Nothing more. It wasn't about strength. It wasn't about flexor. It was simply about color. So I didn't really bring in the whole idea of voids and air. And I mean, those mixes are loaded with polymer. There's no question about it. The GFRC is the same thing. I mean, I didn't, whether I was using a, a VCAS or something else, or something, this is a new dawn. I mean, these materials were designed for what they do. Yeah. And that is the difference and will continue to be the difference moving forward. If I could just get that message out to everybody is nothing against anybody else in their materials. But their materials are often designed kind of where my head was 10 years ago, right? That's not where it's at now. Well, you know, the other it, part of that was you were using off-the-shelf products to a large extent to make a mix. That's true. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I was putting the puzzle pieces together. Yeah, yeah you were saying, well, I can get this from this company and this, and I'll just put them together and make a mix, and it'll be right. good. You know, it's, yeah. it's better than anything out there at that moment. And so, yeah, cool. okay, great, good, awesome. But with this, we're getting down to the granular level with the materials going into it at, at a much deeper level than mixes that uh, I was, you know, I've had some custom mixes made for me over the years. And they're pretty, you know, pretty simple in their makeup as far as you have this, you have that. And uh, these are things that toll blenders tend to have in silos at their place. And they, yeah, we can do 20% of this, 16% of that. Okay, great. And it's okay. It's okay. But um, when we're, what we're doing here with the ingredients we're using and we're specifying and we're having manufactured and shipped to our blender, it's a whole different level. And that's reflected yeah, it's a game. Yeah, in the yeah. end product. You can see it in the end product. So when, uh, when you hear, because we talked about this on the last podcast, and it's kind of the big lie that the industry likes to say. When I say the industry, that the distributors like to say not the industry, the distributors like to say, they're all the same. Just yeah. try them all. Yeah, try, try them all. Them all. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You just have to find which one works for you. Yeah. yeah. Do you like yeah. blue or do you like red? Do you like yellow? They're all the same. No, yeah. no, they, they're not the same. Now, what they're saying is true to an extent, because if you're talking about mixes that are coming from toll blenders, they have the same, you know, sand, the same cement, the same... Poslin and they're using a, a powdered polymer, then yeah, they are all the same. Sure. They are all the same. I mean, they might have like yeah. a little bit more cement, a little bit more polymer, whatever, but essentially they're all the same. But we're, we're the outlier. We're the company way over there that's actually manufacturing from the ground up completely custom materials for this industry, not repackaging materials made for other industries into a mix for this industry. No, you're right. And hey, anybody, I mean, you've known it and especially to begin with and, you know, through the COVID time period, 
that brought about some pretty serious struggles. Mm-hmm. So I also have to admit, and maybe I shouldn't <laughs> since we're talking about this, <laughs> in some ways, and I know I've said this in Sealer in the past, there has been some times where I was like, oh my God, <laughs> why am I doing this? Why? I mean, geez, Louise. I mean, it's, and then, so I get it sometimes, but the, uh, but the downside of it that has been in the years doing it in other ways, like just finding the products and putting the puzzle pieces together is there was no room or not enough room. How about that? For me personally, there was just not enough room to modify and, and build in a direction that to achieve results I truly wanted to achieve. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the time or the times when we're doing a workshop and I totally understand the pros and cons. And when we bring, when a group comes in and you give them these, I call them parameters, but you know, anyway, you, you give them these set of rules that they don't go outside. Like you got to build this all out of a pita four by four melamine. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you, there's, there's some of the restrictions here. Yeah. That's how I always felt with designing materials that there was these restrictions. Yeah. You're in a box and, be, and you had to, yeah, in, you had to operate within right. that box. Yeah. Right. And so you kind of, you, you did the best you can with what you had. Hey, I saw a question earlier today. I started to respond to it, but I got sidetracked. It's Saturday and I'm at home and my kids are, you know, climbing all over me. So I started to write a response and then I, I got sidetracked and whatever. But somebody posted a question about glaze. And it's something that we get a lot of questions in our workshops. People want to know about glaze. Mm-hmm. And glaze was a product that you helped develop back. And there's other companies that make them as well. But right. uh, that you helped develop when you were with Blue and Buddy Rhodes. But essentially it was uh, a really fine pigment mixed with then ICT sealer. Right. That people would apply to the concrete to create a... Uh, a tent over the concrete. And there was a time period probably going on almost 10 years ago now that that was very popular. People went crazy when, when glazes came out and, you know, like I said, other companies have like water-based stains and things like that, which are similar. Uh, but when glazes came out, people, I think of, of dusty, for instance, dusty Baker went, went really heavy with using glazes for everything. So they would, put, you know, 20 layers of this on and a coat of this and that and really build them up super heavy. And it looked great for a minute. Yeah, until you used it. (laughs) Exactly. It looked really good for a minute. And then it went into a restaurant or went into an office or a school or wherever. And it started getting a lot of daily use and daily use and just, you know, whatever, plates sliding back and forth in this one spot or whatever it is. And that beautiful leather brown would now become gray because it rubbed right. off in the concrete. As it blow. wore through. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I would say, not everybody, but I would say the majority of people that are longtime concrete business owners that use glaze have gone to a point of only using them sparsely to highlight texture. That's the only reason to use it now. So if they have a texture right. in the surface, they'll do a light coat of glaze just to pick up the texture. They're not using it to color the concrete or any of that kind of thing. They're just using it to, to highlight texture. That's it. So that was his question. What are your thoughts on glaze? Well, I do know there's a couple guys still using pretty heavy glazing. 
And again, when I say glazing, that's what we're talking about. You know, the pigment faux, you know, faux colors and stuff. At the end of the day, it's still, it is what it is. Meaning that once you create that barrier with those colors, it, yeah, I mean, in my opinion, it needs to be a topical, a topical, you know, plastic coating the whole thing. So let's say the true expectation is where is solely going to be based on that. Because even with that, once it's, there's a few potential problems there. Number one, all of these glaze products, 99% of them are all going to have either a, probably the more simple ones, some kind of a, a acrylic polymer, something in it. You got to have something to keep it in suspension. And with the reactive technologies, again, it was a combination of, of silicates and micropolymer and et cetera, et cetera. So whatever your final sealer, let's call it a sealer, whatever your coat, your, you know, your plastic hermetic film that goes on it, it, you need to make sure that it has the ability to first emulsify those glazes so that at least the coating gets its mechanical lock. Because otherwise, it's not going to be long, and that's that's something's going to be peeling. But um, ultimately, no, nah, you know, I just I guess it depends on what the wear. You know, if if it's something that's not heavily used and it's more for aesthetics, then I think it'll be around for a pretty good chunk of time. You know what I mean? Like I'm thinking like a fire table or something outdoors that that's not constantly having stuff slid on it. Maybe even something on, um, you know, vertical sides or something like that. I think it'll do for it fairly well. But in the long haul, there's still the reality. And that reality is really it's it's got a painted film on there. And then whatever you locked on top of that painted film, there's no true mechanical locks to the concrete. So the writing's on the wall. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. So what I heard you say is John Schuler recommends topical sealers. Yeah. Right. I, well, in that case, that, that to me would be the only choice. The only realistic choice for that would be a mechanically, a mechanic plastic film. And, you know, then I just be wary of what plastic film choice you go with. Yeah. Which there's no, I mean, I know my, <clears throat> the reactive technology, once you get too far away from the concrete, and I just had somebody call about this the other day. Um, once it gets too far away, you know, I mean, this technology is not a good film. Yeah. It's a, it's, Meaning it's once you build up a lot of layers of that color and you create a barrier and then you put it reactive on top of that, it's not actually yeah. reacting with the concrete. No. It's reacting with the film you created of color. Correct. Yeah. Yes. And so, no, I mean, it's, yeah, the ICT is the worst topical sealer that I... It just, it does not act as a topical sealing technology whatsoever. So in that case, yeah, I mean, you know, be wary and choose whatever topical choice and, and then cross your fingers like all of us have and put it in a situation with the least amount of life wear. You know, you used to do this way back in the day when I was using topicals and you were trying to get me to switch over to ICT. You would, you would say, dude, close your eyes, yeah. feel, feel the countertop you're sitting at right now. What does it feel like? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, 
feels like plastic. You're like, exactly, exactly. Why are you making concrete and then covering it in plastic? I'm like, John, you know, I tried ICT. It doesn't work. And back then it didn't work with our, our mixes. The technology, the chemistry of the sealers change and the chemistry of the concrete has changed to, to work well together. You were right. And then I was talking to Michael Carmody and he was talking about, you know, he's, he doesn't like topicals. And he was saying, you're essentially putting a prophylactic coating. You're like putting a condom over the concrete. Why do that? Why go through all the the struggle that is entailed with making something out of concrete just to cover it in plastic? They make corian that looks like concrete. They make silestone that looks like concrete. They make all these synthetic materials that are already fake that looks like concrete. Just use that. It's a lot less work. They can see and see it. You know, you send them a CAD file, they see and see it, they glue it together. Bada bing, bada boom. There you go. You got your piece of plastic. It looks like concrete, but it's plastic. Why take concrete and coat it in plastic. And so that's, you had a great point about that back in the day and you were hundred percent right. Yep. And today, you know, when, when I interact with the pieces I make at my house, whether it's a sink or a countertop or I'm sitting at my desk and it's concrete, I'm feeling the concrete when I touch it, when I clean it, it's the concrete. It's not a plastic barrier between me and the concrete. It's the concrete and there's a difference and it's tactile and you can feel it and you can sense it. And, uh, I just, you know, I mean, I get why people do it because I did it at, at one point. But once you... Well, but I'll go with your, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, once you have a frame of reference, once you move away yeah. from that and you actually have authentic, real concrete, the, the right. actual surface, and it's life-friendly, and, you know, it's it ages and patinas, but it doesn't stain, and it's right. beautiful, and it's living. You know, that's what I... Leather... Wood, concrete, things that wear beautifully. I love it. Well, and that's what I would say back as we're coming back. For those guys achieving those looks, and I've seen some like Martin Haddocks. I mean, they really look cool. I'm not going to take that away from them at all. They really do look cool. But I know for me personally, having down this road, and I think even Martin might be, well, look, I got these projects. Maybe he's got some two or three or maybe X years old. They seem to be doing just fine. And I don't, as long as they're not under heavy wear, again, they probably will hold up just fine. But definitely where I'm at today, I would push to say, well, develop some casting techniques that gets you 75% there. And then rely the least amount possible on your faux coloring techniques and then seal it in a way that gives it a lifelong <laughs> you know, um, potential rather than a plastic wear, which now only because we're on sealers for a minute. I was laughing the other day when someone alluded to a person that was referring to like polyurethanes and the reason why is because they're so proven they're so proven they're so proven and i just got a real chuckle out of that because at least in our industry the only thing that can legitimately be proven by topicals is once they fail they're a catastrophe i mean they are an abomination to repair Uh, they are you know that the concrete takes staining on that's horrific and I don't know. I, I'm again, you, people have to run a business. I get that. And you make their choices around that. I certainly applaud that and not telling anybody's wrong, but for somebody to say anything's been proving in this industry. Yeah. The proof legitimately would be if you walked around and got anybody with, 
you know, X years of actual hands-on experience dealing with clientele, dealing with projects. Yeah, we'll, we'll all have very similar stories of what topical technologies and what their lifespan actually is. Dude, I agree. I, I was texting with somebody this morning on Facebook and he said something. It was actually a great compliment. And what he said is what he liked about me was that I appreciate the material for what it is. I'm not trying to engineer it. I'm not trying to do this. I'm not trying to do that, that I love the material. I truly love the material. And I was telling him, I do love the material. And I love that it's imperfect. And I love the chaos. And I love that it's difficult because if it was easy, I would have lost interest a long time ago. And the fact that even 20 years later, we're getting better that we're continually improving. 20 years later of doing this every day, we can get better than we were a month ago. I love that because we're able to keep moving. Now, had I gone into some other industry and you kind of max out, you know, maybe metalwork where you get a laser cutter and uh, you have a TIG welder and, you know, you get really good at TIG welding and you get good at finishing. Yeah, yeah, Okay. You know, you kind of, you kind of plateau because the metal's not going to change. You're buying the metal from the supplier. Uh, The filler rod's not going to change. The, the shielding gas isn't going to change. You know, you might get some technological advances with with cutting like laser cutting and whatnot, but for the most part, you'll plateau. And then what are you going to do? But with this, it's so difficult and it's so nuanced. And I love that about it. You can go from, hobby grade concrete to good concrete with probably three to six months experience. You know, if you work at this every day for three to six months, you'll probably get from hobby level to good level, but to get from good to great is 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. You know, it takes a long time. So the, the leap from hobby to good is pretty quick the leap from good to great is much greater. And I think a lot of people, again, they don't have that frame of reference. So whatever they're making, you know, they, they think it's really good, but they don't know the difference between that and the next level because the difference between right. those two is a much longer time span to get it to where you want it to be. Now with, again, kind of talking about technological advances with say metalwork, where you have like a laser cutter now, we're having technological advances with materials, which is making it a lot where, you know, before I would go through all these very, very difficult things of injecting concrete into forms and vibrating at a very specific amplitude and orienting the uh, form in different angles to let the concrete flow. And then we'd have to rotate the form as it's feeling to get to flow over here. And then we had these air sprues and we're closing those up and rotating the form and injecting the concrete the whole time. It was extremely complex. And we did Mm. all those things just trying to get a better cast. You know, all that was revolving around getting a better cast. And now we're getting those things with the materials that we've developed. So we've cut out all that stuff. But my point is still, even then we can get better at mold building. We can get more precise with our batching and our temperature control and our curing and our sealing protocol and all these things we can, we can continually improve. And yeah. so it's a frame of reference is what I'm, what I'm getting at. No, you're absolutely right. hundred percent. And, and then it, you know, going, adding to that for a minute is 
then it's up to the individual where they want to plateau. That's what's kind of cool about this industry, too, is a person can decide. It wasn't long ago. I, I was in a very nice conversation, and we were talking about some tables. And I was looking at some of the photos of, of things that we're doing. And he's like, you know, what do you think about this? And what do you think about this? And so I was just bringing up some of the smaller nuances, like, wow, man, it's, you know, really full of air or whatever the case may be. And he's like, yeah, but you could tell based on the conversation, like f- for him, that was his level, right? Like, you know, for him, that was the tippy top of the tippy top. And he was super. And we take, he was showing me some of the other pit and one of the photos, let's say the under the table, which from a cat, cause it was a precast. So it was what would have been, you know, the top of the cast got flipped over and it was a crazy moonscape. I mean, it was like loaded, loaded with air. And so we had a conversation on, you know, how, how what could be improved with that? Cause he's like, well, you know, I, but I wanted it to be that way. I'm like, okay. Hey. And it, so ultimately I just said, well, if you're happy with it, he's like, <laughs> then well, two things. It was like, I want to be that when you're like, okay, then, you succeeded. Yeah. Good job. Good job. You yeah. Then you got it. it. Yeah. You, you want air. That's cool, brother. You and nailed it. You got air. You nailed it. But yeah, the second yeah, thing yeah. is that's such a backhanded compliment slash insult. Is are you happy with it? Like I remember my one time my wife got a haircut and we'd gone to Arizona to visit her mom and we went uh, we went out. She's like you know she's gonna go get her nails done, get get her hair done because we had just had our first daughter. And so, you know, that stuff. So I took her to, uh, to a salon and anyways, we came back and she'd got her hair colored and stuff. And we walk in and her mom's like, are you happy with that? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I was like, I can't believe you just said that. That's insanely rude. <laughs> you know, she's like, well, I'm just, uh, are you, are are you happy with it? And Aaron like loved it, you know? And she's like, yeah, I yeah. love it. And I'm like, then you love it. Who well, says actually, it was that? funny. Who says that? But yeah. you just said it. You just said, well, if you're, if you're happy with it. Yeah. Or the other thing, like, <laughs> I guess where I'm going to, again, frame of references. If as we, any of us as artisans, you know, some people continue to, to strive and achieve and other people find a comfort zone. And I'm, unfortunately, that's just not me as we're finding that's also that's not you. It's a conversation I was having with my son today as we were driving back from track practice today. And he was asking me some questions and you know, a couple of times he was missing. And I said, you know, ask yourself when you were standing up there on the line, why did you miss again? Clearly it's your sights aren't off. You know, I mean, it's your vision wasn't off. There wasn't any wind. So, you know, what happened? And he would always tell me the same thing. It's because he got comfortable. And I think that's a reality of life for all of us is, uh, and who, who was the guy in Canada? He had the tattoo, stay hungry. Mm. Right. You remember him? Justin was his name. Justin, Justin something. Yeah, it was Justin. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, stay hungry, you know, yeah. and, and yeah, don't, I mean, we all get comfortable for a minute. Right. Um, and that's great. But once people settle in, at least for me personally, once you settle in, as you were just saying about there's only so much to achieve with metal, well, then it just becomes this repetitive. And maybe for some people, that is that is their achievement in life. And that's fantastic. Uh, but it's not mine. We're geared for the people that want to be 
the best at, at what they're doing. They want to be the best. They want to make the best sink. They want to make the best countertop. They want to make the best fire table. They want to make the best whatever it is, conference table, whatever it is. They want to make the best. And that's our, that's our market. Those are our guys. That's our tribe is the people that, yeah. that want to improve. They're not satisfied where they are. They always are striving to get just a little bit better, a little bit more dialed. You know, they want to take it a little further. And that's, again, to kind of bring it back to what I was saying earlier, is that's what I love about concrete, is that is possible. If you have dreams of continually improving, you can do that with this material. You're, I guarantee yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Another 20 years from now, I'll still be dialing it in a little bit further than I was today, you know? Yeah. And I love that. And that keeps it fun. And that keeps it interesting. And that keeps me engaged with the process and the material and everything else. And keeps me excited. Yeah. So in my new shop. I agree. I have all these ideas of products in forming systems. And, you know, I, I, I've been doing sketches and things for years, kind of waiting for this moment where I could set up and kind of do the thing I want to do. It's exciting. I'm excited about what I do. I'm excited about concrete. I'm excited about the possibilities. I'm excited about the future of the material. There's not a whole lot of things out there. Wood, metal, you know, it's kind of been done. It's kind of been done. Whatever's going to be done, it's been done. But uh, this material, it hasn't. There's a, a whole frontier of things that haven't been done that are possible. You know, it's so funny about this conversation. Hmm. So the other day, what is it, we're talking today on Saturday. So I don't know, Tuesday or Wednesday of last week. I was looking for this little mold that I had because I came up with an idea. And I just want to see if it was achieved. And I know we talked about some time ago, these you know, little creates a three-dimensional locking fiber network that I've been working on. And the same thing, I put it on the shelf for a while because I get busy doing something else. Anyway, long story short, I was just in a crap mood this day. And finally, AIM called like, what is your deal, man? And like, I was so excited to get, I've been looking forward to that, you know, casting something with this little mold. And it's just this itty bitty little mold, but that wasn't really the idea. The reality is it's going to pull something back off and work and, you know, strive for something. And the fact that I couldn't find that damn little mold, I was so excited about it that it just put me in a crap mood for the rest of the day, man. My point being is, What yes, is the point, John? What is the point? I get excited. This material is exciting to me on still what we haven't achieved, if that makes sense. Where, what can be done? What are the possibilities? And all of that is truly exciting to me. Well, sounds to me like you get excited if you can find the mold. I would be actually very excited <laughs> if I found the mold. Yeah. yeah. Well, so another conversation that I had yesterday with Simon Tipple. He called me up and mm. he actually sent me a, a message. And essentially he had a client and she wanted a very natural organic sink. And his first thought was an erosion sink. And so he sent me a message and said, hey, I want to, you know, get your blessing to do an erosion sink. I responded back, you know, I understand why you went that route because you've seen it. And it's a convenient solution to the, to the client directive. You've seen this and it fits what she's looking for and it's convenient. But it's doing you no favors. You making that design is doing you no favors. You pushing yourself, going through the process, 
prototyping, trial, error, making, destroying, going in a whole new direction is what's going to put you further down the road than replicating something that's already been done. You know, so it's not that I'm saying don't do it because I don't want you doing my design. I'm saying don't do it because it's doing you no favors as an artisan, as a business. If you come out with something totally new, totally innovative, like I did with the erosion sink, then you will have the same level of success with that product that I've had with this product. So you need to come up with something that you made. And, you know, and if it's, if it's exciting and it's innovative and it's new, then somebody around the world will contact you and say, Simon, I want that sink. Yeah. Somebody in Australia, Simon, I want that sink. That's, that's the benefit of coming out with something original and new. So his, you know, so then he called me up. I was driving home and he's like, you know, let's talk about what's, what's original. And we started going down this road of like, what's original, what makes originality. And, you know, he's talking about Ramcrete. He was in the last class. And he's like, you know, if it, what if I make the sink out of Ramcrete? Does that make it different? I said, no, the sink is, the end product is the same. The material is different. You know, there's people in China that are knocking off that sink in copper and bronze. It, the sink right. is being knocked off. The material is irrelevant. The material is not design. Ramcrete is not design. That's a material. You know, so whether you make something out of wood or plastic or metal, the end product is what you make. That's the design. The material is not design. I think a lot of people confuse material with design. Material is not design. And then he was asking about process. He's like, well, what if I... What if I go about it in a totally different way? Like, what if I make that sink, but instead of making it the way you make it, I make it this way? And I'm like, but again, that's irrelevant. If you take a boat to get to, to Africa or you take a plane to get to Africa, you still went to Africa, right? It doesn't matter how you got to Africa. Again, process isn't design. Design is the final product. You know, this was a great conversation. And I told him, I'm really glad we're having this conversation because you're thinking about these things and you're, you're working through the process. And I appreciate that. And he said, well, what about cars? You know, they all have four wheels, but they're different. I said, yeah, because the wheel isn't the design, Simon. Right. The wheel is a functionality. A sink has a drain. Every sink has a drain, but the drain isn't the design. The sink is the design. Now, the drain can be part of the design. Like some of these cars have real, like Audi might have a prototype that has these like really cool hollow wheels. Well, that becomes part of the design, but it's still a wheel, right? Mm. It can become part of it, but it's not the design. The design is the overall end product. And so... Anyways, we, we went all down these different roads and thoughts. And, uh, and then another thing that he, he hit on, which again was a really great question, is he's like, well, what if I made something and I'd never seen it before, but then somebody else had made it? You know? And I said, that's good question. That's actually happened to me. I did a tile design. I, dude, I, don't, I know nothing about the tile world. Nothing. I don't go to tr tile trade shows. I don't follow tile Instagram accounts. I don't read tile magazines. I don't go to tile websites. I know nothing about that world. Zero. I've never seen, you know, all these different things because I don't want to see them. I came up with this design, totally innovative. And I did a rendering and I showed my wife. My wife did come from the tile world. I showed it to her and she said, oh, there's this Italian company. And she tells me the company, they make that tile. I Google it. Sure enough, they make that exact design, right? And I was psyched about it. I was ready to go get this thing 3D printed and make rubber molds and start casting it. And at that moment, I could, I could say, well, uh, uh, I, I'd never seen it. You know, uh, it's, it's original to me, but it doesn't matter. The architects yeah. and designers, if you specify it, would say, well, this Italian company makes that. 
And they've been making that for the last 10 years. You know, so you have, it's going to be a personal decision. Everybody's going to have to have this inner conflict and inner dialogue of like, what do you do? But I told Simon, what I did is I just scrapped it and I went a different direction. Because at the moment that I found out that it had already been done, even though I know in the depths of my soul, I'd never seen it and it was original to me, it didn't matter. I couldn't in good faith at that point release it, you know, and then stand on my my soapbox and say, this is original because everybody would point to this Italian company and say, no, they've been doing it. And they had been doing it. So hey, that's the other part of yeah, it. Yeah, Simon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I got you on mute right now. Um, Brandon was just saying you, you gave him a call, ask him about his uh, sink and stuff. You should just called me first, man, because his thought came from the original design of my pond sink. <laughs> so if I, and you, I'll let you call it the puddle sink. You call it the puddle sink. The quarry sink, sink so. the ocean sink, the river sink, whatever. <laughs> um, you know, I heard somebody one time say that, that uh, they had the idea in college. They went to architecture school or something. And they said, I had that idea in college. I didn't make it, but I had the idea. It's not original. Wow. And I'm like, Dude, I had, the, I had the idea for Google when I was three. It doesn't mean I invented Google. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? But anyways, this, this is one of those conversations. I think it's an important conversation. And I think it's something yeah. that everybody has to, it, it's integrity. You know, integrity. What is integrity? How, you def, how do you define it? And do you have it? That was on a card. There's that game. Uh, what's that game? It's like a box of cards. And you pull them out and you ask questions. I'm trying to think what it's called. Anyways. It's a, it's a good game, but the, dictionary, ah, no, no, I'll think of it in a minute. But anyways, it was on one of the cards and I kept that card and I put it on the pegboard in my old shop. What is integrity? How, how do you define it? And do you have it? And I think that is such a great question. And that's yeah, different for different something people. Everybody has to ask themselves. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. And, and I think it, it's a spectrum. I think integrity is a spectrum for a lot of people. I think some people feel that they operate from a place of integrity but other people say you don't, you know, they would say, I would never do that. And, and I don't think that is, uh, you know, ethical or whatever, but every person is going to have their own viewpoint in that. How do you define integrity, John? Uh, to me, it's pretty simple. It's just when you do what should be right when nobody's looking. Exactly. I mean, to me, that's pretty. And, and I, I know I bring up these kind of things. It's to me, it's something as simple as, Putting your shopping cart away. Dude, every time I put my shopping cart away, every time I think of John Schuler in my mind, I'm putting it away. I'm like, John, be proud right now. (laughs) Even though I do it anyways, even though I do it anyways, now since you say that all the damn time, every time I think I should, I should live stream John right now and show him that I'm putting the shopping cart away. Exactly. Don't throw your cigarettes on the ground Uh, in front of everybody. I mean, to me, it's, you know, people, yeah, it's, to me, it's, it's pretty simple. It should be fairly simple. To have integrity, you know, but alas, I mean, who knows? Well, I think the other problem is everybody's trying to make a living. Everybody's trying to pay their bills. Everybody's trying to provide for their families. And it's a hard thing to say when a customer comes to you and they says, make me this person's design, whatever, whatever person that is, you know, make me this, whatever. And they show you a photo and it's hard as a small business to turn that business away and say, well, that's, that's not mine to make you. If you want that, you need to contact this person. You yeah. know, I don't feel comfortable making that. That's a hard thing to do. And I get it. I get it. But where it, it, where it becomes a lot worse is when somebody not only makes it, but then publishes it, 
uh, starts marketing in it. That's where it went from like, well, you know, I, I can get why you would do it to that's not cool at all. Like, you know, now you really crossed the line of doing something that, you know, is unethical. And now you're now you're trying to steal business at this point from something that you didn't develop and, and you had no part of. And again, until you have a frame of reference, until it happens to you, I, I, I've had this conversation on social media for 15 years now. And I'm always the bad guy for, for saying people always go crazy. Ah, there's no such thing as original great artists steal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The okay. art of stealing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Whatever. However you want to, however you want to say it someday, someday, if you try, because it takes work, you don't just have original thought by, you know, uh, accident. You have to work for it and you have to try hard and you have to fail and you have to do stuff. But someday, if you work for it and you strive for it, you will have an original design idea and you'll make it. And on that day, it's my hope that some jackal that just came out of design school sees it, rips it off, starts publishing photos, calls it the same thing, and you will see yeah. how that feels. You'll be like, oh my God, you can't steal that. I, that's my design. And they'll say, great artists steal. There's yeah. no such thing as original. And then you'll know. But until that day, you don't have a frame of reference. And until that day, I'm the bad guy, right? I'm nah, the I guy. Just, like anything else, man, it, it, I think that comes along with experience. Like yeah. literally... There, there's experienced people in any industry that, that are still thieves. I mean, there's experienced people in any industry, any industry that still believe that no, no, originality no, I'm doesn't exist. talking about what you're saying, that the person who went through all those trials and tribulations, whatever it is to achieve it, and then they end up in that spot where somebody else takes on that. So it, it takes that experience, like oh, real yeah. experience. Yeah. Frame of reference. For any of us. Yeah. And that's why I don't, you know, for any of us, whether we're talking about training or materials or sealers or it doesn't matter, you know, at the end of the day, what re is, is real hands-on, not, not the kind of people like, Hey, I made 50 samples or something. Well, no one's stealing 50 samples from you. You know, that this life's experience and hands-on experience is what, excels people from one level based on integrity to other levels based on integrity. And that's just the way it is exactly. in a lot of situations. Yeah. I mean, we should title yeah. this podcast frame of reference because it always, it keeps coming back to a frame of reference until you know, yeah. you don't know. And right. there was a time I didn't know until I knew, you know, there was a time, there was a time. Now I never, intentionally we're trying to rip somebody off and then profit from it. Like that was never my goal. You know, some people do. That's, that's the business model of some businesses. Yeah. Like, let me, let me look around. Oh, that's successful. I'm going to do that. No, this guy's successful. I'm going to take that and I'm going to market it. That's, I, I don't know how people do that, but I'd never try to do that. But there was a time. And if you're interested, just Google Brandon Gore TEDx talk and you can watch it. But there was a time when I got called out on a design that I thought was original and it turned out it wasn't. And it really hurt my feelings at the time. And it made me feel bad about myself. But it was a moment where I opened my eyes and realized that, no, I, I had actually ripped off somebody's design DNA unintentionally. And, uh, you know, I had to come to terms with that. And it shifted the way I, I viewed things. And it was actually, at the end of the day, very beneficial for me to have that experience in my life because it shifted the way I thought about things. Right. But yeah, so, but you have to have a frame of reference. 
Agreed. 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 Hey, um, so Ramcrete. Yeah. Ramcrete, dude, I'm telling you, we've had, I think we're up to, we're close to 10 people in the class now, maybe more. I got to look. Um, and I, I've had two or three this week contact me and say they're, they're registering. Everybody, what everybody is interested in is Ramcrete. Well, I'm psyched. I didn't tell you, we, we talked about it earlier in the podcast or whatever, half hour ago when you were talking, but no, I actually have a fireplace around that I'm going to be doing in Ram Creek. Exactly. And yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. And so yesterday I, I published this on my, my personal Facebook page, but yesterday an article came out for custom builder magazine on the rammed earth house I built in Arkansas. And so they'd contacted me a while back, maybe four to six weeks ago is, um, is when I, did the interview with the the writer for this article and well, you know that's cool. well if you've ever done these magazine articles you'll get contacted you'll do an interview and nine times out of ten nothing comes of it you know yeah okay yeah well we'll let you know and then it just never makes it in for whatever reason but this one did so so i published or i posted the uh the article but it was about the house in arkansas something that you know is important in anything is having experience, experience matters, real experience, not combined experience. Not like, well, this guy worked for three years and this guy worked for one year and this guy worked for whatever. Let's combine them all and say we have 200 years of experience. Eh, That's bullshit. No real experience. And so, you know, I've been doing rammed earth professionally now for since 2012. So 11 years is when I started my company, but my love with the material started in the year 2000 when I moved to Phoenix. So 23 years now, it's been a passion of mine. I've been studying everything about it. I've bought every book on, on the subject. I bought every out of print, uh, rare book I've traveled. I've, you know, spent time with other Rambert builders and it's something that I'm extremely passionate about. And so if you want to learn this process, first of all, we're the only people teaching it. So that's number one, but we have the experience, the real experience. True. Not yeah, real hyperbole, not peacocking. I don't know how to explain. There, there's, there's other venues out there that have claimed experience, but they don't have real world experience. Those are two drastically different things. And so if you want to learn this, come to the class because this is, this is what I do. And it's my passion and it's my love. And uh, yeah, so I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. It's uh, I'm very excited to bring this to this industry and, you know, offer the potential for people in their shops to do something outside the box they might be in right now. So I, I mean, like I said, I know for me, I got a fireplace around coming up and boggling my head on, you know, what it's going to look like and stuff. So I'm, I'm incredibly excited about it. One of the frontiers that, that we kind of speak of, you know, that's just we're on the very edge of it right now and the possibilities yeah. of where this could go and what's going to happen. And I prom- I'm telling you, dude, I'm calling it. I'm calling it today. I'm calling the shot. This aesthetic, we're on the cutting edge of it, uh, but in 10 years, you're going to see it everywhere. It's going to be the de facto whatever. So if you get into it today and you're the guy yeah. in Chicago, the guy in Miami, the guy in Seattle, the guy in New York, wherever you are, you're the guy that's offering this aesthetic in your demographic, you're going to be the guy. You're going to be or the girl. You're going to be the person that designers and architects are calling on to do their project. Because 
you're the person. So anyways, you'd rather be first, first in instead of last in. Get in now, brother. Sign up for that workshop. August 9th through 11th, Napa, California. Go to ConcreteDesignSchool.com and sign up today. We're going to cap it at 30. I think we have 10, maybe, maybe a few more. And like I said, I had three or so contact me in the last week that say they're going to register. So we might be half full here by, by uh, the end of the weekend. So if you want to get in, get in. Anything else, John? Oh, I think that's it for me for the minute, man. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Is there anything else I want to hit on? You know, you're going on vacation. Well, you're not going on vacation. You're going yeah. to nationals. Your son is in yeah. the national competition for um, trap shooting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm going on a much-needed vacation. I've not been on vacation in about four years. So last time I went on a vacation was like four years ago. So we're going on a vacation. We'll be gone for almost two weeks. So this will be our last podcast for a while. I don't think we're going to do another one between now and then. For a couple weeks? Yeah. yeah. So if anybody has any questions about the workshop, feel free to reach out to John or I. If it's, um, you know, if you reach out to us in a week or so from now, there's a chance we won't be getting back to you for a bit because we're both going to be busy. Uh, yeah, whatever. out and about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Disconnected from from our phones, hopefully. I'm going to try to not take my phone. And we're going to have a little bit of a break on the podcast while we're, while we're away. But feel free to email or text or whatever, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Again, ConcreteDesignSchool.com, August 9th through 11th. It's going to be yep, a two-and-a-half-day yes. class, the Concrete Heroes Quest. Uh, 2.0 is the second one we're doing, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Yep, a lot of fun. Napa's a great place, you know, for anybody who wants to stay longer and tootle around, but yeah. it's. Hey, where did I, I go last it. time? I can't remember the name of that place when I went to the coast. What was that called? To the coast? Remember the last day of Joe's class, uh, me and a bunch of other people took off. We went down to the coast, and it's that national park. It's really pretty. It's like rolling grass, and it's right on the ocean. No, I didn't know you did. Oh, I thought you did. Oh, Point Reyes? Point Reyes. Yes. Got it. Okay. Reyes or yeah, Reyes? Point Reyes. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm going to do that again on, on this trip. So my last day. That was beautiful. Yeah, I'm going to cruise down there. So there's great restaurants between there, between Joe Shop and, and that place. And yeah, just beautiful, beautiful. So yeah, come on out. Have a good time. Look forward to it. All right, amigo. Good talking with you. Adios. Adios. Adios.